Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Psalm 103 at verse 20. Well, this is the Essential Bible Studies Podcast. My name is Tim Young. And I'm Jay Mayock. And Jay, that was a rousing rendition yes. of the introduction there by our live audience. This is a first for us. Yeah. We've never done it before, before a live audience. So pretty jazzed about that. It was very, it was very enthusiastic. Exciting. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> There's another first too, I think, after uh, 60 episodes I think this is the first time I've actually recorded dressed in a suit. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So you're, you're looking very sharp tonight, Thank you. by the way. <laughs> so our subject this evening is entitled, What is the Work of the Angels? And this is something that we've talked about before in the podcast many times. I was thinking even back further, Jay, when we talked about the inspiration of Scripture, how the angels brought the Word of God. I mean, that's their main focus is to be messengers of the Word of God. We did a podcast called Equal Unto the Angels, and that was a very important one. We really talked about why study angels, and there's a very important verse in Luke 20 and verse 35 and 36 that says that in the resurrection, the last days, we shall be equal unto the angels. So everything we study about angels, we learn from that podcast, really equates to us. That's our hope is to be like the angels or equal unto the angels when Christ comes back at the resurrection. We talked a lot about in that podcast, too, how angels manifest God. They are his representatives on earth, and they bear his name. There was another important passage in that podcast in Exodus 23, verses 20 and 21, where the angel of his presence, of God's presence, went with the children of Israel in the wilderness, and it says, he will bear my name. And everything that the angel said was what God was speaking. And then finally, we had another one where we talked about how we are made in the image and likeness of God. And that was a podcast, number 38 and 39. And we really looked at the Genesis 1, verse 26 passage, let us make man in our image after our likeness, right? And that us there, that plural, we found out that that's really talking about the angels. And so the angels are equated with the Hebrew term for God, which is Elohim. And we learned that that means mighty ones. Tied that in with Hebrews 2, verse 7, those kind of things. So we have some history, some background, but the angels is such a large and vast topic. We thought we needed some more time to talk about the work of the angels, what they're doing right now, because this is very important for how we view things yep. in our life of faith. Yeah. I know we just went through a number of passages right now. Do you have the podcast number that you did with Rob? That was number 27. 27. Equal so, unto the angels. Yeah. Yep. So all those passages. It was in that, season three. Season three. Yep. So if you go back and you listen, Tim and Rob will go into a little more depth in those podcasts, but we will be turning up lots of passages, right? Every time yep. you listen to a podcast, you'll hear lots of pages turning. Anytime there's a lecture here, there's lots of pages turning. And uh, we're going to do that as well tonight. Let's do it. Let's right. turn some pages. So angels, there's lots of different titles for angels in scripture. And Tim, you brought up one of them, which is Elohim. And we're not just making that up, right? No. <laughs> because that's the Hebrew word for God. And then when we look at the New Testament, there are certain times where that Hebrew word for God actually 
does mean mighty ones and is speaking about the angels that represent God. So that's the Hebrews 2 verse 7 passage. But there's lots of other titles for angels. They are called in the Bible, and this is just a, a couple of them. They're called ministers. Uh, they're yeah. called the eyes of God. And they're also called the watchers. Yes. Which it's a very interesting way to describe it. Let's just have a look at one particular passage, and that's in Second Chronicles. So this is in the Old Testament, and this is in chapter 16. And we have a look at verse 9. There's a prophet that came to speak to King Asa. And he's referring back to a time, this prophet does, when Asa was delivered from like a great company, a great multitude of people that came up against Judah, right? And so here, the prophet is referring Asa to that particular time when the angels of God helped him against the Ethiopians. So if we look at Second Chronicles 16 at verse 9, this prophet says to Asa, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. So the eyes of the Lord. So what's being communicated by the prophet of God to Asa, King Asa here, is that he needed to remember how it was that the angels had been with him in a previous battle and he needed to make sure that he was living in a way that was consistent with a walk in the truth where the angels would be working with him as well. That's interesting because you say one of the other titles was watchers. I think that's from Daniel 4 and verse 7. It kind of goes together that the angels are the eyes of the Lord. They're watching everything. They're, they're everywhere in that extension. Yeah. And this is the wonderful thing about Bible study. When you start going through, you realize there just isn't one word or term. You can look at different titles and, and words that are being used for the angels, uh, God's ministers, but there's some that are negative in a way. They're called destroyers, or they're called a flaming fire, which is very interesting, in Hebrews 1 and verse 7. Yeah. And that relates back to all sorts of things. You might bring up the burning bush, like Moses before the burning bush, and there was an angel, it says, in that burning bush. And that comes to symbolize something about the angels, that they also bring God's judgments. That's part of their work, that they are very active in that. And that's what we talked about fire. It's about the judgments of God, isn't it? Yeah. So we're going to talk more about that as we go along here. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the things we have to think about, too, is about how it is that the angels, how it is that they work. They definitely work visibly. I mean, we can't look at the Bible and not believe in the existence of angels or in the working of heavenly angels. They're from Genesis to Revelation. Almost literally in every single book, they appear either delivering the word of God or performing his judgments, right? So visibly, this is by no means an exhaustive list, but they appear visibly in the life of Abraham and of Jacob. In the Exodus, the angel is preeminent. That angel that you referred to in the yeah. bush there. As the children of Israel came into Canaan, Daniel, there's so much about Daniel. You mentioned Daniel 4 and 17 about the watchers as they're described. And anyone reading the New Testament finds that they're there everywhere at the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ and at his resurrection and even throughout his ministry as well. Yeah. Yeah. And as you said, all the way to the book of Revelation. Yeah. So you can see them visibly and they appear in different forms. Sometimes they're just appear as men. Sometimes they're glorious and sometimes they're just invisible. You can't see them. It's almost as if the angels can affect our eyesight even. I mean, one of my favorite ones is in Daniel 6, and 
Belteshazzar and all of a sudden there's this hand writing yes. on the wall and all you see is this hand but you realize it's an angel you can't really see the angel all you see is his hand right. so there's a partial like invisibility there yeah. but we don't know like there could be angels today that we run into and the bible talks about that in a passage in hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2 and this is an important one to consider because as the angels are at work, we might not even know it. So they could be invisible or they could just appear as men. And Hebrews chapter 13 verse 2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting to think about the implications for that, for sure. But certainly in our day, it's much like the spirit gifts we're not aware of that manifestation. And maybe that's something that's reserved for those who get into the kingdom to find out a particular moment where that might have happened in our lives. Hebrews chapter 13 is clear. Thereby some have entertained angels unawares. It's exactly right. So really, it brings up this question that we're talking about tonight. What are they doing? Like right now, <laughs> what are they doing? Yeah. And there's several things they're doing, right? So we'll talk about how... They're ministering to us. They are actually still doing the judgments of God. They're going amongst the nations, doing the will of God. Let's talk about this first one. I think this is really the most important one that affects all of us. I'd like you to turn to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14. You know, on our way to Hebrews, it's interesting to think about that so often when you see angels, they are almost inevitably standing before God, because you talked about yeah. all their busyness. That's what they do. Yeah. They're always on the go. They're always active. You rarely see them sitting. Yeah, I think it may only be once. Once, I think yes. you're right. Yeah. <laughs> but here in Hebrews chapter 1, let's just read verse 13 and 14 for context. To which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? So there's your question. Like He's never said that to the angels, right? right? Sit down. He says in verse 14, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? So here's one of the chief roles of the angels is for our sakes. They are ministering spirits. They're helping us. They're guarding us. They're directing us. And why? So that we might be heirs of salvation, that we might be saved. They are keen and very interested in how we're doing in our life of faith. Yeah, and there's lots of examples of how this isn't just an experience reserved for certain people in Scripture. The way that God cares for us has everything to do with the way that angels of God are working in our lives. There's some passages that really shed some light on this. I'd like you to turn to one, and that's in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18. This is a really good verse here to show that I think, to me, it really does assign the idea of a guardian angel here. Right, yeah. In verse 10 of Matthew chapter 18, the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking about the little ones who trust in him, who are reliant upon God in their faith. And in verse 10 of Matthew 18, Jesus says, Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. He's speaking about the believers in particular here. For I say unto you that in heaven... Their angels do always behold the face of my Father, which is in heaven. 
So these little ones have angels that look after them who stand also in the presence of God. And it actually says over here that they always do behold the face of my father, which is in heaven. Remember what happened with, um, you did this on another podcast. We've talked about it lots from this hall too, where God passes by Moses. Okay. Yeah. And God doesn't allow his face to be seen. Right. But here, an angel, because of the nature that they possess, they are able to see the face of God. So yeah, there's good reason to believe, not just from this scripture, but from many others, that angels look over the faithful. That might just blow your mind a little bit to think about the day you were born. The angels were there, and they've always been there through your whole life, looking out for you and being involved with your life. It reminds me, like, this is all the way back in Genesis as well. Examples of the angels who are very involved in people's lives. And Jacob was one of those. We've talked about Jacob before, how he wrestled an angel. And in his life, he had a dream. And most people know this dream. He dreamed of a ladder that reached to heaven. And there was angels ascending and descending upon this ladder. And Jacob took this dream really to mean the involvement of God in his life, of the protection of these guardian angels. And he kept that with him his whole life, this whole aspect, this dream that he had. So in Genesis chapter 48, verses 15 and 16, this is at the end of his life, and he is blessing his grandchildren and his son Joseph. And this is what he says about an angel. He blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys. So you see, he assigns it first in verse 15 to God. And that's that word Elohim, though, yep. which we've said relates to the angels as well. So he recognizes the God of his fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and that God has been his shepherd. But then you see in verse 16, all of a sudden he changes it, and he says, the angel which redeemed me from all evil. So Jacob saw the angels in his life. I mean, he saw them physically. He, he saw did. them visibly. Yeah, and felt them. <laughs> but he <laughs> wrestled with them, yeah. But he also realized that invisibly they were always there. Yeah. And that it almost seems like he thinks there was one specific angel who was his guardian angel. And there's another popular verse in Psalm 34, verse 7. It says, the angel of the yeah. Lord encampeth around those that fear him. Yeah. Right? So there's a whole slew of those verses that really yeah. kind of tell us about these angels and their work for the ministering to the heirs of salvation. Yes. Yep. And I think that's the key, too, because part of it is that although the angels are at work in the world and we believe in our lives, it has to do in the sense of guardian angels with those who have become part of the Lord Jesus Christ in particular. Yes. It's not just indiscriminate to absolutely anybody yes. ever. That's yeah, the yeah. other clear thing about Scripture, too. And that's why Psalm 34, 7 is so popular. The so Not so popular, but so powerful. <laughs> it's because the angel of the Lord encamps around those who will fear. and who Right, there's that qualification there. There is, yeah. And it's, right. it's very important to remember that. But it's also not, you know, you think about they're, they're called the eyes of the Lord. They're called watchers. It's kind of make you nervous. Sometimes, right? And, and it may, what they've seen, yeah. And it may make us feel like that at some times when our conscience gets to us. Well, I think at certain points in my life, I had the angels working overtime. Yep. You ever feel like that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a, a desire, and we can say this for sure from the scriptures, 
that the angels are working on behalf of God to, as it says, minister to those who are to be the heirs of salvation. So we're given a window into their feelings in one particular passage. Really interesting. And it's in the Gospel of Luke at chapter 15. It pulls the curtain behind the works of heaven as we can, in our mind's eye, view what it might be like there. And Jesus gives a series of parables here. He's actually right in the middle of some parables about people who are lost who need to be found. Yeah. Right? And the Pharisees at this particular time and the scribes were really upset at the kind of people that Jesus was finding that they couldn't find. So Jesus was calling back the publicans, tax collectors, right? The sinners, the prostitutes, and many people who had gone away and were living in ways that they ought not to have lived, no doubt about that. But there was no rejoicing on the part of the scribes and Pharisees that they were coming into the fold, as it were, and receiving such attention from the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you look at Luke chapter 15, Jesus says in verse 10, that likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. I mean, many times in this hall, I'm sure you've heard in other Christadelphian halls too, when somebody gets baptized, it's like that go-to verse because you get to experience and share in the joy of the angels of heaven when somebody says, I'm going to leave the world behind, I'm going to be baptized and become part of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. That's one of their main works, to the heirs of salvation, yes. when they repent and accept that. And there's genuine excitement yeah. and when you, about all the work, and the overtime that's gone into, if we can use that expression, like as you did when people come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ through baptism. So I think that's just a beautiful passage. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome to think about the angels in that way. They are just so powerful and awesome in every way. That kind of brings us to our key verse we wanted to go to at this time. It's in Psalm 103, in verses 19 and 20. And as Jay and I started looking at this, we just kept seeing little more different levels of this and the importance of these verses. So first of all, let's just read Psalm 103, verses 19 and 20. And maybe 21. Okay. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you, his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. So there's that word ministers again, referring to the angels as it does in verse 20. And we see something very important here is that all of these angels are doing the word or obeying the voice of God's word. So their main direction, their main goal has been given to them by God in what they are going to be doing. I don't think they deviate from that. That's what they're trying to work towards. It shows that there is a... There's no deviation from that. That's what the angels do. Like one can't say, you know what? I'm not really, not really too sure about that. That's not, <laughs> it's not what they do. There cannot be that kind of conflict and verses that we know very well to preclude that. Like when you think about the Lord's prayer, right? Thy will be done on earth. Jesus told his disciples to pray 
as it is in heaven. Like there is exactly. no second guessing. There is no controversy. There is no rebellion in heaven. That's not how it works. Right. The angels do the will of God, his heavenly angels. And I think you read from the ESV there. Oh, yeah. You'll notice it in verse 20. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength. And you might look, if you've got a Bible with a margin in it, a King James Bible like mine, uh, mine says mighty in strength. And the idea behind the ESV is that the angels are the mighty in strength or the mighty ones. It's the same idea, both referring to the angels of heaven for sure. So strength is definitely a notable characteristic of angels. We talked about this with like the word Elohim. They have inexhaustible energy. They can read thoughts. Lots of evidence in scripture for that. They can blind or destroy armies. They can reveal certain future events. They help the faithful. They do all these things. But with all of those incredible gifts that angels have, they also don't know everything. They're not omniscient. Right. So they're independent but yet they're totally obedient to God in the way that they work. So there are um, some passages that would show that to us. This is a particularly powerful one in Mark chapter 13, where Jesus gives the prophecy on the Mount of Olives about what would befall Jerusalem in the last days of its existence, and also speaks about those events that would take place up to his coming. So in Mark chapter 13, and we'll have a look at verse 32 over here. He said, but of that day of his coming and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. It's a very powerful passage that it's only the Father that knew the particular date of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe he knows that now, now that he's ascended up into heaven. But the angels at that particular time also, unaware of when that actual day would be. So, I mean, that tells us a lot about God. He loves teaching. And the Lord Jesus Christ was the greatest teacher ever. He loves unfolding his purpose. And he does that as well with the angels. Yeah, I love that about the angels. They're really eager to learn it too. There's a passage in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12 where it talks about the prophets speaking about what was to come of Christ. And at the end of that passage, Peter says, these are things that the angels long to look into or they desire to look into these things. So it's interesting to go through and you read about these angels and they're delivering these revelations that are from God or they're from Jesus. And they're asking the questions themselves like, how long is this going to take? You know, And they're all interested in everything that's happening with the plan of salvation that God has here. They're just not robotrons, I guess, in that sense, right? Like you said, they do have a sense of independence, even though they are driven by the Spirit fully to fulfill the will of God. Yeah. That's why when you have Christ coming the first time he's born, what do the angels do? They can't contain themselves. They, they <laughs> yeah. reveal themselves to shepherds in Bethlehem. Yeah. And they have to share the news like just that. Rejoicing, just rejoicing. Just, and yeah. I mean, it's Boom. <laughs> amazing to think yeah, about Yeah, good that. point. Yeah. When we talk about guardian angels, though, and, and all of these kind of things, it's just not all rosy, right? It's just not all blessings and good things that come because we know that good and bad things come from God. And really, these angels are the ones also that bring bad things. I think we have to face up to that and think about the angels in this way. And it's very humbling as well that the angels bring 
the judgments of God. And they are involved in that. They often are depicted as having swords that are drawn, that they are part of an army, that there's ranks in this army. And one of these examples, you might be familiar with this, but there was a time during the reign of Hezekiah, and this is recorded for us in 2 Kings chapter 19 and verse 35, but the army of the Syrians came against Jerusalem, surrounded it. Jerusalem was in dire straits. They were besieged. It looks like there was no way out. And Hezekiah prays to God desperately for deliverance. And what God does is he sends an angel that night. One angel goes out, it says, and he kills or slays 185,000 Assyrians mm-hmm. in one night, just yeah. like that. Right? How he did it, like a strike of pestilence or whatever it was, yeah. that angel had that power to do that. And so he was bringing God's judgment yeah. upon the, the Assyrians. And we yeah. see that all through scripture, right? It's a very powerful point. Yeah. And Jesus said that he had, even in the days of his mortality, he had at his command at least 72,000 angels. Yeah. Yeah. We don't so know this, how many there are, but there's yeah. at least 12 legions, which yeah. is about 60 to 72,000 or yeah. something like that. So this is what one can do. <laughs> yeah. Right? Pretty amazing to think about. Yeah. So there's also... Psalm 78, it's an important passage that I almost skipped. And in Psalm 78, it talks about how it was that the angels were working in the days of Israel as a nation. And they receive a very special title here that might make us pause and say, wait a minute, how can this possibly be? So it's talking about not just the judgments on the nation of Israel, but in particular at this time, judgments on Egypt. And so it says... In Psalm 78, at verse 49, that God cast upon them the fierceness of his anger, wrath, and indignation, and trouble by sending evil angels among them. So that makes you think, okay, evil angels. These are not, it's not to be confused with angels that are immoral or evil in the sense of their morals. This is evil in the sense of calamity. And the Hebrew word can be morally bad or it can mean just bad stuff that happens and the context has to determine that. But here, we're definitely talking about how it was that God was judging the Egyptians for sure. Yeah, this is where I usually go to a different translation, just start comparing things. Yeah. The ESV says destroying angels. Okay, yeah. But if you go into your concordance, it is the word for evil. Yes, Yeah. exactly. The King James is very literal right there, yeah. Exactly. But it really makes you think about Yep. What is it saying there? Exactly. Like these are not angels coming from the underworld doing these things. Right. That's these not are, what's happening. These are God directed yes. angels who are doing his will, as we've already talked about. Exactly. And his will was to bring these plagues upon the Egyptians. Yeah. And so that's why they're also called destroyers. Right. When the Passover happened and they put the blood on the lintels and the doorpost, yeah. it says that when God right. passed over. He would not allow the destroyer to go into a house that had the blood upon there. And that destroyer is the angel that was going out and slaying all the firstborn. Right. Right. Yeah. And it was that same angel, we would think, from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. God says that when they murmured, this is 1 Corinthians 10, verse 10. You don't have to turn it up. I'm just reading it out for you. Neither murmur ye, Paul says, so don't you murmur to the Corinthians, as some of them, some of Israel also murmured, and were destroyed of 
the destroyer. The destroyer. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So definitely an angel working on God's behalf here in that particular place for judgment. Yeah. Right. So we can receive both good and we can receive both bad. Yeah. So the things that we're seeing in our lives, whether they're good or bad, we can still see God at work yep. in our lives, trying to direct us in certain ways and make us think about these things. That's on an individual nature we talk about, but they're also very involved on a national level, Yep. on the politics of the world. Yep. That's, to me, very evident in the book of Daniel. You yep. talked about that earlier. The curtain's just kind of yep. drawn aside a little bit more, and you're you're seeing into the, the work of the angels. And I'd like to turn up Daniel chapter 4 and verse 17. This was one of those passages that you mentioned earlier, Jay, about one of the different titles for angels is watchers. And there's also another one here called the holy ones. Yep. But in Daniel chapter 4 and verse 17, there's this sentence that comes upon Nebuchadnezzar. And it's the king of Babylon. And it says, The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. Really, that's a key verse of Daniel. Yep. And it's telling us that these watchers these holy ones are involved in directing the affairs of the kingdoms of men, right. the nations. And so when you read through the prophecies that are given in Daniel, these are given by angels. And we can also see, like in Daniel chapter 10, the angels at work trying to influence the kings of these nations to bring about God's purpose. Yes. That'd be a good chapter to read later on to read at home, Daniel chapter 10 and how the angels work together. I wonder if we have time to maybe go back and see the connection to angels working in the kingdom of men back in Psalm 103. Yeah. Because that was helpful for me because it just shows how consistent the Bible is. So if we're back in Psalm 103, one of the reasons we read verse 19 is to show how strongly connected verses 19 and 20 actually are. So verse 19, the Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Well, how does God's kingdom rule over all? How is it that he exercises his authority, his dominion? How does he go about his plan and purpose in the earth? Well, verse 20 answers that for us. Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. So we just read that in Daniel. The watchers give a decree. They give their sentence, their judgment upon Babylon in that particular case and on all the other nations. They carry out the work that's decided on high by God. The eyes of the Lord, the watchers running to and fro throughout all the earth. So are they doing that now? Absolutely. We know for a fact they're doing yeah. that now. But they have a new commander. And they've had a new commander over the past 2,000 years. And it's not that God has taken his authority and given it up, as it were. But the way that the Bible describes it is that he now shares his throne, his authority with someone. So if we go to Matthew chapter 28, now we're going to read this, and you might think, if you're reading carefully, this doesn't say angels at all, but it does. <laughs> it's inferred, and that's kind of level two of our study of the angels, is to look at a passage like Second Chronicles 16 and say, okay, it's the eyes of the Lord. You connect that to Daniel, oh, it's, these are the watchers, these are the angels, they're everywhere. And in Matthew chapter 28, 
This is what Jesus said after his resurrection as he was teaching during a 40-day period. Matthew 28 at verse 18. It says that Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, he's speaking to his disciples, all power, and that word means authority, all authority, Jesus says, is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So the implications of that is that Jesus now, he shares that authority with the Father over all the angels of heaven that are now at his command. Yeah. Well, just to back you up, you said the angels weren't there, but yeah. it's implied. Yeah. A good cross-reference is 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 22, which just says Jesus has gone into heaven and is at the oh, right hand right. of God with angels, authorities, yeah, and yeah. powers having been subjected to him. Right. You tie those both in. I think you're absolutely good right spot. that we can see that Jesus now has full command of all of these angels mm-hmm. at his disposal, and he is working among the nations, as we see in the book of Revelation, lays that all out for us, because that's a revelation of Jesus Christ. So the angels are now at work, and I think they will be at work in the future, because there is a great day of judgment that is to come, and the angels will also be involved in that, as we see with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you and I talked about this. There's so many verses we can go to in this regards. Yeah. But I thought that 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8 was most interesting. It might give us some little echoes as we look at this passage. It talks about the second coming of Christ that we're all waiting for. Paul says this here to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verses 7 and 8. Now, he's writing to the believers in Thessalonica who were being persecuted, afflicted. And he says, God was going to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. So, Christ is a command of these angels, and you mentioned we don't know how many there are. There's at least 12 legions, 72,000. And in the last day, he's going to come with judgment with these mighty angels. That reminds me of Psalm 103 that we've been looking at, the power of the angels, in flaming fire. And so here's that fire again. Angels are referred to as flames of fire, and that fire represents this judgment that they are going to be bringing, right? Yeah, it fits very well together, doesn't it? We want to be on the right side of this because there is a power, an awesome power that's coming when the Lord Jesus Christ comes. Like you said before, one angel slew 185,000. And now he is gathering this armada of angels, this great army of angels in the last days. They are poised at any time to come back to bring the judgments against the kingdoms of men. Yep, yep. There are immortal heavenly angels following the commands of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, working faithfully behind the scenes and invisibly preparing the earth for his return. They're involved. That's why as Christadelphians, we don't get too concerned about politics 
I mean, we yeah. don't like the way the world is heading for sure, but the angels are involved at setting up and taking down governments, just like they were in the book of Daniel. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, and just wrapping up, we can see them at work amongst the nations, but just reminding ourselves that they are personally involved with each one of our lives. They're ministering to us in very personal ways, working invisibly, guarding us powerfully, and helping us in our walk of faith for our salvation. And we believe that's coming soon. We do believe it's coming soon. So I feel like there's still a lot out there to talk about angels, Jay, but that's going to do it for right now. Really good discussion. I always enjoy my discussions with you. Me too. It's great. And it's great to be with you all here. Jay and I hope that this podcast has been a blessing to you. We're so glad that you've taken the time to focus on God and his word, and we pray that you'll continue with us. If you like the show, then you can help us out big time by rating the show. Your stars when you rate the show are an important way for others to find these essential Bible studies. That's right, Jay. In the Apple Podcast app, you just scroll down on the show to get to the bottom, and there's ratings and review section. You can do that there. If you listen in Spotify, it's right there on the podcast main page under the description. It only takes a few seconds, and you would have our eternal gratitude. The Essential Bible Studies podcast is sponsored by the Book Road Christadelphian Ecclesia, located in... Very good. We'd love to have you come join us for our Sunday night seminars. Every Sunday we do this, usually at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Not all the time, though. So you want to go by our website at www.bookroadchristadelphians.ca, and you can see the scheduled times and topics, and you can either join us or watch on the webcast. So until we meet again, dear friends, we pray to God that you may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.